good news. It's meant to be shared, isn't it? And as followers of Jesus, we've been given the most amazing news ever. The news that we've been celebrating this morning in our worship time and in our communion together. And yet, as Christians, we often keep quiet about it. We hold back from telling other people of it. We give in to fear or excuse our apathy or try and justify our silence. But as Paul taught in our next section of 2 Corinthians, we need to stand up and speak out because we've been called to be ambassadors for Christ. We're going to read this amazing section of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, and down to the end of the chapter. So if you have a Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 11. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God. And I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we are in a right mind, it is for you. It is for you. For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all. And therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. But for him who died for them. And was raised again. So from now on we regard no one from our worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become The righteousness of God. As we've seen before in this letter, Paul's ministry and his message were under attack from people in that church he was writing to. They were looking for somebody who looked impressive, who sounded eloquent and who appeared powerful. And so in their eyes, Paul didn't fit their image of what an apostle should look like. They were also looking for a message 
that match their focus on an old covenant emphasis of rules and regulations and rituals. In their minds, Paul's message of unconditional love and amazing grace just wasn't true. It wasn't the full story. And so Paul felt that he had to respond to this. He had to defend and explain his ministry and his message. He says here in verse 11, what we are is plain to God and I hope that it's also plain to your conscience. He hoped this church would understand him, would accept him, would, would understand who he was and what he was doing just as God did. But this wasn't so much for his own benefit. Instead he said this in verse 12. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. He wanted these Christians to have confidence in him and his message so that they'd be able to stand in it and so they'd be able to stand against the influence of those false apostles who'd infiltrated this church. Those people who judged by external appearances. So Paul again is defending himself to defend this church from false teaching. But he wasn't defending himself because he needed their approval. When people criticised him or rejected him, Paul just didn't retreat into silence. When people didn't like his message, he didn't decide he had to keep it quiet or he had to change it. Paul didn't bow to public opinion. Instead he said, we try to persuade men. However people responded, Paul was passionate in sharing the good news of Jesus and in doing everything that he could to convince them that it was true. No matter what people said or thought or did, Paul was committed to sharing the good news of Jesus. One of the core reasons for this was because in verse 11 he says, we know what it is to fear the Lord. Paul didn't fear what other people thought of him. Instead he just feared the Lord. Now this doesn't mean that he was terrified of God. He knew that he was loved by God. He knew that he was accepted by God. But rather the fear of the Lord is such a deep respect and reverence for God. Above all else. And it means that his driving ambition in life was to please and honour him. That's what it meant for Paul to fear the Lord. It meant that God was everything to him. And his life was all about honouring and pleasing him. We saw this last week, didn't we, in verse 10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That what we do for the Lord here on earth, in this life, is noticed by him. And it's appreciated by him. 
And one day it will be rewarded by him. And so to Paul, it didn't really matter what other people said or what other people thought. He wasn't doing it for them. All that mattered was what the Lord would say on that day of review. I think this is such an important lesson for us. Especially in the culture where we're living today. One of the major barriers to sharing our faith is fear. Thankfully, in Ireland today, we don't have to fear the things that Paul was sharing about what was happening in Pakistan to our brothers and sisters in Christ there. But we can be afraid. Be afraid of what other people might think about us. What they might say about us. What they might, how they might treat us if we speak up about Jesus. Will they challenge us? Will they ridicule us? Laugh at us, saying how old-fashioned we are, out of date we are, how ignorant we are. Will they even try and start to avoid us? And push us to the, the outskirts of their community. I think as a result of this, so many people say that faith and belief is a private thing. It's okay what you believe. But you don't need to tell anyone. Just keep it to yourself. And nobody will be annoyed. But if we are going to fulfill God's plan for our lives, then we need to break free of the fear of people. We need to have such a deep and genuine reverence for the Lord that we say this, as Paul said in verse 9, we make it our goal to please Him. Not make it our goal to please everybody. Or to please people. Or to please our family. Or to please our neighbours. Or to please our colleagues. Or whoever it is. We make it our goal to please Him. Please the Lord. He needs to be first in our life. But that wasn't the, the full reason of why Paul was committed to sharing the gospel. He didn't only share the good news because he was committed, centered on the fear of the Lord. He also shared because in verse 14 he says this, Christ's love compels us. Before met, Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, Paul was passionately Persecuting the church. Paul was willing to travel. To hunt down followers of Jesus. Because he was driven. Driven by self-righteousness. Driven by religious pride. Driven by prejudice and hatred. Paul would have been guilty of the kind of things Paul was sharing with us this morning from Pakistan. But now, as an apostle of Jesus, Paul isn't driven by those things anymore. He is driven by love. Not so much the love in his own heart. Not because he was such a loving, caring guy. But rather, the love of Christ for mankind. 
And especially the love of Christ for mankind expressed at the cross. Because, verse 14, because we are convinced that one died for all. At the start, when Paul heard about the the death of Jesus, he'd assumed that this was because Jesus was a fraud. Because God had rejected him. Because God had cursed him. Now he realised that this was God's plan. That Jesus had died to save. About 700 years before Jesus died on the cross, Isaiah prophesied this. Isaiah 53. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Jesus took upon himself our sin so that we could be forgiven. He took our punishment so that we could be accepted by God. He took our death sentence so that we could live. Verse 21, this is what Paul says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus, the sinless one, became sin for us. So that we could receive his righteous standing before God. So that we could be saved. And of course this wasn't something that we deserved. This wasn't something that we earned. This wasn't something that we could pay back. Rather, this is the incredible gift of un- God's unconditional, unlimited, unending love for messed up, selfish and self-centered people like us. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Paul was convinced that this was all true. He come to realize that Jesus had died for sinners. But even more than that, Jesus had died for him. Jesus had died for him because he loved him. And it was this that changed Paul's life so dramatically. He wrote to the Galatians, The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me. For Paul, the cross of Jesus wasn't just something to look at and be amazed by. The cross of Jesus was personal. It was something for him to bow before and accept for himself. But Jesus hadn't just died for him. As we read in verse 15, he died for all. 
In sacrificial love, Jesus had laid down his life to pay for the sins of everyone. Wherever they were from. Whatever they'd done. And so, everybody needed to hear about Jesus too. They needed to hear the message of God's love. They needed to hear the reason for his death. They need to repent and put their trust in Jesus as the forgiver of their sins and the leader of their lives and receive that gift of salvation that Jesus had paid so much to give to them. And so it was Christ's love for everyone that compelled Paul to share the message of the gospel with everyone he could. And if we today are among those who have experienced Christ's love, if we say that we're followers of Jesus, that we have, ex- we have accepted this love gift from God, this gift of salvation and forgiveness and acceptance, if Christ's love has really sunk into our hearts, if it really has impacted our lives, then it will motivate us And it will energize us to keep going with the message of Jesus. The message of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself up for us. It's Christ's love for everyone that should compel us to speak up to everyone we can. But thirdly, Paul also shared the gospel because he was convinced of the power of the gospel. He knew that the message of Christ's love could completely transform lives. Outside of Christ, we are all enemies of God. Our sins are such a a deep offence to God that they would separate us from, from God forever. Your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden His face from you. And there was nothing that we could do to fix this. Nothing that we could do to remove that barrier, to bridge that gap. But in Christ, God has done it all. All this is from God, Paul says in verse 18, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. In dying for our sin, Jesus paid the price in full. He removed that sin barrier that separated us from God. And so the moment that we put our faith in Him and trust in His death, we are reconciled to Him. We are brought into that eternal relationship with God. And we have peace with God. Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. No longer enemies. No longer a slave to fear, we were singing earlier, weren't we? I am a child of God. And that changes everything. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. And the new has come. 
through Christ, we're not only brought into that new covenant relationship with God, we're also brought into a new creation experience by God. The moment that we trust in Jesus, that old life separated from God, under the wrath of God, held captive by sin, helpless and hopeless, heading for the grave, it is gone and is gone forever. And in its place, we are made new. We are adopted as children of God. We are set apart as the people of God. We have been dressed in Christ's righteousness. We have been receiving the Holy Spirit, set free from the power of sin. Empowered to live a brand new life. And heading for glory. If we are in Christ this morning, we are that new creation. Whether we feel like it or not. And that change should change the purpose and direction of our lives. Jesus died, verse 15, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. If we've trusted in Jesus as our Saviour and Lord, then we are no longer the focus of our lives. We'll never think, think it's my life and I can do what I want with it. We're not here to please ourselves or to follow our own desires or to do our own thing. Instead, we're here to live for Jesus. For the one who laid down his life for us. That's because we've been bought by him. You are not your own, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your body. We belong to Jesus. So we're called to live for Jesus. Not that this is a a heavy burden. Certainly not that this is a slavery to have to obey. Instead, it's when we accept Jesus as our Lord that we try to find true freedom and true purpose and true joy. Jesus said, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. It's in living for Jesus we find that true freedom. We find that true purpose. We find that true joy. And amazingly, this is true for anyone. Whoever they are. Whatever they have or haven't done. So Paul says in verse 16, so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Paul had once judged Jesus from a worldly point of view. He judged that he was a failure and a fraud. And he'd once judged other people in a similar kind of way. He evaluated people differently according to their race or their religion or their reputation. But that all changed. Because when he saw Christ, he saw himself as a sinner. And he saw that we're all in the same boat. So Paul says in Romans chapter 3, there is no difference. There is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
But then he goes on, and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. There is no difference. We're all sinners. We've all messed up. None of us can save ourselves. And yet we are all loved by God so much that Jesus died for all of us. So whoever we are, wherever we're from, however we've met, whatever mess we've made of our, of our lives, if we put our faith in Jesus, then we are forgiven and we are reconciled to God and we are made this new creation in Him. So this is why Paul felt this message was worth sharing with everyone. Whoever the people were, whatever their background, whatever their circumstances, whatever regrets or hurts that they brought, if they came to faith in Jesus, then they would be changed. From an enemy of God to a child of God. From a hopeless sinner to a heaven-bound saint. From a captive to self to a servant of Christ. Is this good news that's worth sharing? With people around us? But just finally, Paul hadn't volunteered for this role. Paul hadn't taken the initiative to put his hand up and say, God, I want this role of sharing this message with everyone. Instead, Paul wrote in verse 18, All this is from God who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This was God's calling on Paul's life. God had given them the responsibility of bringing people to peace with him through faith in Jesus. He wasn't so much a willing volunteer as an obedient servant. And God had given them the message to share. He committed to us the message of reconciliation. This was God's message. And so he had to faithfully pass it on. Unaltered. Unedited. With nothing added. But Paul also knew that this was his amazing privilege. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God was making his appeal through us. Paul knew that he had been called to represent Christ to this world. That's what it means to be an ambassador. It's a representative. He was called to live out Christ's standards. To embody his values. To express his love. To continue his ministry. To declare his truth. And to call men and women and young people from all nations into his kingdom. And this is our mission too. We've been called to this ministry of reconciliation. We've been entrusted with the message of the gospel. We've been given the privilege of representing Christ to this world. The question is, are we going to accept it or not? Or are we going to excuse, use, excuse our apathy? Are we going to keep quiet so we don't ruffle feathers? Are we going to keep our head below the parapet so we don't get attacked? 
Or are we going to stand up and fulfill God's call in our life? In the late 1700s, a guy called William Carey was at a meeting of fellow church leaders. He passionately shared his conviction that the command to share the gospel with all nations was just as relevant for them as it was for Jesus' original disciples. An old guy in the audience wasn't convinced. He interrupted him, like Tommy does. But he said what Tommy would never say, I hope. Young man, he said, sit down. When God pleases to convert the heathen, he will do it without your aid or mine. He was wrong, of course. Carey sat down on that occasion, but his fire did not go out. He didn't give up. Eventually, he would go to serve the Lord in India for 40 years, leading people to Christ, translating parts of the Bible into something like 40 different languages, and inspiring a worldwide missionary movement. The Apostle Paul didn't sit down and keep quiet. He believed that he'd been called to be an ambassador for Christ. William Carey didn't in his generation. So what about us? What about today? What about in Enniscorthy or in Bunclody or wherever we are? What about in our schools? What about in our colleges? What about in our workplaces? What about in our families? Are we going to keep this amazing good news quiet? Or are we going to stand up and speak up? We need to be centered on the fear of the Lord. Compelled by the love of Christ. Convinced by the power of the gospel. And fourthly, answer our commission. As ambassadors for Christ. In this world.